This week on Prepping 2.0. Those knocks at the door from people that you don't know can make a really big difference in how you handle the situation. When disaster strikes, will you be prepared? This is Prepping 2.0 with authors and prepping experts, Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher. Online at prepping2-0.com. Get ready. Prepping 2.0 coming in three, two, one. Welcome, everyone. This is Shelby Gallagher over here at Prepping 2.0, joined by my co-host on the show and co-host in life, Glenn Tate. Every single prepper will deal with the issue of unprepared people wanting to come to your place when SHTF. This is perhaps the most important decision you'll make as a prepper. Chris from Ammo.com gives you his views on this topic, and Shelby and I chime in with ours. You should use the peacetime we have now to do the hard thinking on this topic in advance so you're not making it up on the fly. And as always, remember, the only thing harder than planning for a disaster is explaining why you didn't. Glenn, quick question. Yes. What do we have a lot of right now sitting in and around our kitchen? Uh, cucumber. Lots of cucumbers. And I've got to figure out how to prepare those so that we can preserve them for the winter and fall. What else do we have laying around outside? A uh, washing machine? <laughs> no, <laughs> true. That, it's it true, broke. but that's not what I... You're, okay. You missed the point there. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so a lot of seedling plants. Why? Yeah. Because I want to keep that awesome harvest just like with the cucumbers going. So we have Brussels sprouts and cabbage and all these wonderful fall, winter plants that can be harvested and actually taste better when the cold. What's necessary to have all these delicious vegetables at our fingertips? Amazing, amazing seeds that turn into amazing, amazing plants. And you can find them all at Survival Garden Seeds. That's where I got all of my seeds. I encourage you to check them out. They have a huge fall collection that is great for planting right now. Uh, you can check them out on our website, prepping2-0.com. Click on Friends and Affiliates, and you'll see them right over there. Top 100 items that disappear first. This is a list from Bosnia survivors that's available on our website, prepping2-0.com, under the heading, appropriately enough, Top 100 List of Things. This week, it's number 31, milk, powdered and condensed. So importante. Shelby has a story about powdered milk disappearing in a disruptive situation. What is that? That was spring of 2020. You might remember last. Of things were going haywire. TP, it was nowhere to be Lots found. Lots of things were weirdly gone. And I've always believed, not just because of this list, it is good to have powdered milk on hand because it is very shelf stable, especially powdered milk. And it's good for so many things. It's a main ingredient, can feed children, can feed babies. And I went looking for it in 2020 and I could not find it. I had a bit of a panic because I'm like, I'm a prepper. I should know that I should have, you know, 10,000 pounds of that in my storage. That and might I be can, a little high. A little high. So that has since been cured, but I encourage people to make sure you've got that because it is such a great ingredient to have in your deep preps. And as you can see, the Bosnians from their collapse experience felt that as well. Exactly. Well, here's what you missed from a recent after show if you're not a Patreon. So it's not the movies where somebody gets, you know, shot with a 380 and they flip around and their head explodes because of the impact. That's just not a thing. So keep that in mind. No, it's not. I mean, if you think about the physics of it, if it was that powerful, it would push the shooter back just as much. There's so much more to this show than the regular show. Find out what you're missing for two bucks a month. How do I improve my listening experience, you ask? Go to prepping2-0.com and click on the Patreon button. Here's my question for all of you. What's holding you back? It's only two bucks. Well, let's get into it. To set the stage for our fantastic guests, the most important decisions you'll make during SHTF is who to let into your group. Our guest, Chris DeWallet, has thought a lot about this topic and gives you his wisdom on the topic. Welcome to the show, sir. Glenn, Shelby, it's great to be back. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. We love having you. By the way, he did a couple episodes about a month ago about Escape from Ukraine, parts one and two. Shelby, were the download numbers very high? Pretty high, oh my yeah. gosh. And I just wanna give a quick story here, Chris. In between the airing of week one and week two, we had our big Patreon event at our house and how many Patreons were like, mm -hmm. I can't wait for part two. Yeah. It was like a suspense nice. novel. It was really good. And there was some really good conversations surrounding that. So I know just by the downloads and the conversations we had with some of our fans, it was well received. Yes. And That's awesome. I'm really great. Thank you so much for that. Oh, our pleasure. Thank you for being a great guest. Well, you came to us with another topic that was on your heart. 
and that is preparing for the unprepared. Give us a general overview of how you view this topic. I was looking before we started this podcast on just some statistics on how many people are actually prepping and how many aren't. And honestly, with surveys and reporting, there is a lot of variability. I'm sure you're surprised about that. So the numbers <laughs> range between a couple million to a third of the population is basically what I found. So there really are no hard numbers as far as who's prepping and who isn't. So that means that there are a lot of people who aren't prepping, who they have their normalcy bias. Everything's going to be fine. Nothing's going to happen because it never happens. And when something goes down, whether it be SHTF or a natural disaster, they're going to be completely dependent on the government uh, or the kindness of others to make it. And obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, you don't want to be going to the FEMA camps. So good for you. But obviously, we need to prepare for that because how do we handle this group of people that are going to be maybe passing through our area who aren't prepared and who just need some help? Do you basically tell them to hit the bricks or do you take them in? And so I kind of wanted to just talk about this topic because, you know, where I live currently in the suburbs, it's like I'm on a major uh, ley line of drift, basically. So I know that people are going to be coming through this area if things go down. Uh, I've got a major urban center, you know, about 10, 15 miles north of me, and the Golden Horde will come eventually. Uh, and so how you handle that, how you handle those knocks at the door from people that you don't know uh, could make a really big difference in how you handle the situation, how you survive, and Honestly, your overall general mental health, because, you know, turning people away, especially like kids, can be really damaging to your health. Exactly. And I mentioned it in the beginning of the show, but I want to emphasize this point again, and that is this. Use the peacetime we have now as oh, a yeah. golden opportunity to think this through. There are some decisions that you don't need to think through that much. Uh, somebody's mm -hmm. pointing a gun at you, trying to kill you. What do you do? That's pretty short decision-making time frame. But there are other things, and it's going to vary based on every single person's different life experiences, situations, and candidly, morality. And you need to come up with a plan that works for you. And this is one of those decisions that I think is better to make over a longer period of time. Some are very short decision makings, as we talked about with the gun example. And other ones, you need to really give yourself a lot of deliberation. I pray about it. Obviously, that's important. So mm -hmm. take some time and think about it. And if you haven't thought about this, today's show is your golden opportunity to start. And if you have thought about it, today's show is a way to test what you've been thinking and even a conclusion you've come to test it with maybe some more facts. And so take the advantage of having the time to make this decision. And before we get into that, Shelby would like to tell you about some of the folks that make all this possible. Oh my goodness, yes. Our wonderful and amazing sponsors. You can find all of our sponsors at our website, prepping2-0.com. Click on Friends and Affiliates, and over there you will find Pro One Water Filters. Oh my gosh, everyone needs to have one of their filters and their preps. Katie Armour stands for Come and Take It Armour. Backwoods Home Magazine. Numana Foods, talk about where to get your powdered milk right there. Minutemen Coffee. EMP Shield, Paul Burke, Realtor over in Idaho. You can find him at firstresponsibility.com, powered by Fathom Realty, Gibbs Arms. Love those folks. And of course, Andy over at Podcast Access, help you get your podcast needs all fixed up. Thank you, ma'am. So please, Chris, continue. Yeah, so I've kind of come up with three different ways that you can handle this situation. So let's assume that someone's not coming to your door with a gun, uh, right? So we'll take the quick decision now. Let's just say that it's just a person or a family or a group of people. And so they knock on the door, they say, hey, can you help? We're trying to get to place X, Y, Z. There are three thought lines you can go with. So the first, and I would say probably the most popular in the prepper community, at least from what I've heard, is basically tell them to pound sand. I've got nothing for you. You're just going to have to keep on going. And I would say that this is a fair response at times, depending on who it is. I mean, operational security, what the military likes to call OPSEC, is, you know, a big concern about preppers because we don't want people to know what we've got. Because if we do and we let that known, then we become a target. And so that's something that we definitely want to be very careful with because you want to stay gray man, as they like to say, or basically blend in with everybody else. As they like to say, you don't want to be the only fat person around a group of people who are starving. So 
that's definitely one option. You don't want people to know what you've got and you got to tell them to go. And that's one option. It's harsh, especially if there are kids involved, it can be difficult to do. The second option is basically to invite them into your community. That's definitely a more dangerous option because you don't know anything about these people. But many hands make light work. And if you have a small community and you need more bodies to do the work, that could be an option for you. If these people seem like they want to work and you explain to them, hey, we can bring you in, but you're going to have to, you know, you're not going to be sitting on your laurels. That's an option as well, and it can definitely help because you can't be doing the gardening, prepping the firewood, doing the cleaning, gathering food, cooking food, doing patrols, all of these things, oh, and sleeping an hour or two, all by your lonesome, which is why you need community. So it's one way that you could possibly build up your community in that aspect of uh, if you don't have a lot of people who are coming to your house to help out. Tell folks about item number three, just so we're going to give okay. an overview, and yeah. then Shelby and I are going right, to have you some thoughts on on each right, fair one enough. I wasn't sure. wanted to make sure you didn't have a hilarious comment like you usually do, Glenn. So, well, I try. Uh, no, I try. I know. He's I holding know, out. I wanna, okay. <laughs> keep, keep them all in there. Keep some notes for us. But yeah, number three, uh, third option is basically to offer some charity and then basically tell them not to come back. Basically say, hey, I've got a little bit here that I can give you to kind of help you get where you're going, but I don't have anything else. So this, I feel, is the least talked about option because – People are saying like, oh, this telegraphs that you're a prepper. You know, it telegraphs that you've got more and you've got some large stockpile that you can dip into. But I would counter that idea basically in saying that a lot of times during a disaster, a community will come together to help support itself. The most historical example of that would be the Great Depression. And I cite the rock soup story where with one person, all you have is maybe a tomato or maybe some of those cucumbers that you guys were talking that you had sitting in the kitchen. But together, everybody has enough to basically feed the community if you all just pitch in a little. So I feel that offering at least a small amount of aid to some people may be paid back later in the future. If you missed you know, my episode of going to Ukraine, obviously I depended on the charity of one person towards the end. If you have, didn't listen to part two, you need to go back and hear that because that's quite a story. But you never know how that could be paid back to you in the future. Maybe it never will. Maybe it'll just be you help somebody out, but honestly, that's going to help you sleep better at night. And to come up with this, I basically have come up with what I like to refer to as the charity bag, which is we're not whipping out our professionally made bug out bags that we've got put together. I'm just talking about like a simple shoulder bag, maybe like one of those reusable shopping bags that you have. Or I know back in the 80s, it was really popular having those canvas bags to carry stuff around, like those little canvas totes, and just have some basic necessities in that. Nothing expensive. We're not putting our mountain house freeze-dried stuff in there. We're not putting our emery's. I'm just talking about maybe a couple cans of soup, maybe some vegetables, maybe a simple metal bottle that you picked up at a garage sale for a buck that they could boil water in or something like that. Maybe a simple water filter if you have some extra, like a life straw, something like that a little flashlight that maybe you picked up from Costco, a simple compass, like one of those ones that we used back in grade school when we were learning how to read a map. And, you know, just a couple other things, maybe a couple, a box of matches and maybe an inexpensive folding knife that you picked up at a gas station. And that little bit right there could mean the difference between life and death for some people. And to quote the OG prepper, which would be James Wesley Rawls in his book, Patriots, he said, give until it hurts and then give some more. And I'm not saying that we put ourselves out there to the point where we can't provide for our own families. Obviously, you know how much you can give and how much you can't. But in the end, I think that being a compassionate person, being someone who has some morals and who takes a little bit to give to somebody else in a time of need, not only will help you sleep better at night, but it could pay off down the line. So those are my three big options and things to consider right now before anything happens. Excellent. And I wanted to give listeners the overview of where you're going with this before we start slicing and dicing and adding detail. Well, back to option number one, which was tell them to pound sand. I have some thoughts and I think Shelby has some thoughts. So my first thought is that this pounding sand option might be a good default position because if you're not able to take the time to assess all of the things you need to assess, it might be a good default. And one thing though, contrary to what I just said, one thing to consider is 
if you turn people away, they might come back mad. And you need to consider that now. So I'm like, oh, hey, here's your default position. Oh, but you might want to consider this. Yes, it is contradictory. This is a very complicated matter. And this is something that varies greatly depending on the facts on the ground and a bunch of other things. One of the facts on the ground that adds as a variable is the severity of the situation. If it's just an Mm -hmm. economic downturn, as severe as it may be, that's different than there are food gangs roving around that recruit regular people to go find food and tell the rest of the gang where the food is, which could happen. It's happened in various places in the world that have been experiencing severe disruption. So that's a more severe situation. But now that food gang thing cuts yet another way. See how equivocating I am? It's like I'm a trained lawyer. But to equivocate yet again, that there might be people doing recon And if you are giving them things, they might take your stuff and go back to their gang. And people say, oh, geez, gangs are only, you know, on TV and they have, you know, red headbands or blue headbands. No, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about functional gangs. We're not talking about Hollywood gangs. We're talking about people who are hungry and banding together to go get stuff from other people. So option number one, I think, is a default. They might come back mad. What are your thoughts on that, Chris, before we get into more of my thoughts? You're the guest. Oh, no, no, certainly. Uh, but yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that it is something to consider most of the time. And we're actually, I had some ideas to, you know, discuss on how to kind of ascertain whether somebody is there for nefarious intent or they're legitimately just someone transiting from one place to another and they need some assistance. So I, I agree with you, honestly. It is going to be a case by case basis. But I think, for the most part, you've got to keep your own security at the forefront because there will be a lot of people out there who are looking to prey upon the kindness of others. And I'm guilty of this myself. I'll explain more about that later. But yeah, I think you have to be, especially in a a large scale disaster that may be something that we don't recover from very quickly, you really have to be looking out for your family and making sure that your security is at the forefront. So I agree. It probably is the de facto response for most preppers and it probably should be, but it's going to be taken on as a case by case basis. Exactly. You know, another factor that comes into this pound sand option is something we devoted an entire episode to episode three off the top of my head, which was you want to talk about early days when production values were not as high as they are now. Shelby and I sort of cringe when we listen to old episodes because we've improved so much. But anyway, episode off the top of my head three was men and women taking advantage of each other during a collapse. And it was about both men and women, how they can take advantage of each other. And we're not saying all men and women would do so. We're saying that it uh, historically has happened since probably cavemen and cave women. We want to be fair. And so uh, one of the scenarios that comes to mind, and I see some of this in some prepper fiction. I won't name what it is, but there seems to be a character who often thinks, oh, I'm going to have all the girlfriends in the world because I got uh-huh. one girlfriend for every MRE I have. And they think, and I'm kind of speaking in code because we have family listeners. They think that they're going to, shall we say, gain an advantage with a woman by providing some stuff. That's number one, immoral. And number two, it's completely degrading to a woman. So we're not for that. But third of all, this woman could be one of those gang recon people. You would probably send out women to try to lure men with their womanly wiles to say, look at all the stuff I have. You know, I would make a great man for you in this collapse because I have all this stuff. Gentlemen, be very wary of such situations. Don't think with your little brain. Let's just put it that way. And similarly, women need to be aware that they could be taken advantage of. It's obvious how that would happen and we don't need to go into any details. So we're so trained to not think about gender or sex, whichever term you like to use. And we're supposed to not think about it. But in one of these situations, suspend your peacetime thinking and think, okay, this is potentially a brutal world we're now living in. We have to acknowledge some realities. And that is men might try to take advantage of women and women might try to take advantage of men. 
And that is something you need to force yourself to think in a new way. Oh, I have so many thoughts on this. I know that part of our big discussion as we go through the rest of the show will be how to judge character. A big part of that is the male-female dynamic in that. And so I encourage people to read my books. I mean, I talk about how you have these men taking advantage of women. They're evil men. And then women using their cleverness, womenly wiles, to enact revenge. And I think it's pretty realistic. People tell me that it's realistic. And then what I, as you were talking just now, Glenn, I was thinking about when you look back at World War II, and for Europe, World War II was a collapse. Yes. If you lived in Britain, if you lived mm-hmm. in Poland, it was a collapse. And some of the best spies were women, attractive women, who would just put on a little bit of lipstick and a short skirt and drive a knife into the back of... You know, Germ- a Nazi. the Nazis, exactly. So women know how to use their womenly ways, just like men do. And they can be, I'm telling you, men, you can be taken down by a pretty girl. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. So, but I'm excited because I know we only have a couple minutes left for this half, but I also think the judge of character thing, I really want to talk about that because I have some thoughts on that. And so does Glenn. Yeah. And we'll get to judge of character in a moment. We wanted to give a little bit of analysis to each one of the yes. three Options. One of the other thoughts I have on option number one, tell them to pound sand, is that you can rehearse this in advance. And I'm going to tell the story that I've told before and I tell in the 299 Days book series. There was a character in the book named Brian, who's a real guy, and he tested me before. I mean, obviously, there's not been a collapse. So this was in peacetime. And he said with nervous laughter, I'm just coming to your place. <laughs> That's basically how He's he an laughs. ex-friend in real life, yeah, by the way. Yeah. And so he was testing me. Beware, ladies and gentlemen, of being tested in advance. People, and it's probably happened to you, so you know what I'm talking about. If it hasn't happened to you, it will be happening to you. People who know that you're a prepper, and that's a necessity. You need to have people help you move your stuff in our case. I mean, people know that we're preppers. And so people will test you and they will try to find out how you're going to go with this. The way I handled that situation was I said to Brian, I said, no, you're not coming to my place because, for example, I noticed from your Facebook posts that on weekends you enjoy your life and I'm here at the cabin inventorying food. I'm buying food. I'm doing all this work. Why do you get to have all of my free time and you get to keep your free time so you can do fun stuff and I don't get to? And I know that sounds whiny, but it's exactly how well, he I was feel. enjoying the wine while you were prepping. Let's exactly. just be honest. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so so how the conversation went was he was a little surprised and you could tell he didn't fully understand the severity of the situation. He thought. It was basically like he was asking me to pick him up at the airport at two in the morning. It's like a reasonable request. No, it's not a reasonable request for you to come to my place and eat all of my food that I've worked extremely hard to provide for my family. You are literally taking food off my table, and that's not going to happen. So I'm going to let Glenn's blood pressures through the roof, and we're going to take a break here. But when a person says that to you, they're warning you that they are going to come and ask for food which is something to think about there as well. So folks, we have so much more to talk about. Don't go away. We're going to take a quick break. More of Prepping 2.0 with authors Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher is coming right up. Hear all our previous shows free online at prepping2-0.com. In a tactical situation, your AR is your life. Gibbs Arms makes a sweet feature, the only side charger that can use a standard bolt carrier group with no modification. Gibbs makes them in 9mm, 5.56, and 308. In fact, Gibbs Arms has been granted eight patents for unique innovations. The company started back in 2008 when two Boeing engineers realized no one else made what they wanted. Take a look at their website and see all the ways Gibbs Arms can help you mod your AR. Gibbs with a Z, arms.com. That's G-I-B-B-Z-A-R-M-S. 
PowerPoint.com. Without water, you're done in three days. Pro One water filters. It's literally a matter of life and wet. Pro One G 2.0 all-in-one gravity systems are NSF ANSI 42 component certified. Not everybody can say that. No need for additional add-on filters to reduce fluoride. Pro One stainless gravity systems include a stainless steel spigot and a countertop stand for no additional cost. Pro One water filter gravity systems. Check them out at ProOneUSA.com. That's P-R-O-O-N-E-U-S-A.com. Most tested, most trusted. Prepping 2.0 is about that next level of prepping. One of the key 2.0 items to have is bulletproof body armor plates. I used to think body armor was too tactical for a regular guy like me, but it isn't. Give yourself, your family, and your team an unfair advantage when bullets are flying. Body armor used to be expensive and hard to get. Not anymore. KD Armor, and that stands for come and take it, makes solid and affordable body armor for normal people. Get body armor while you can. The clowns in Congress are trying to prohibit future sales. KD Armor is the place to get it. C-A-T-I-Armor.com. Prepping 2.0 listeners get a 10% discount when you use the coupon code GRANT. When the grid goes down, darkness will descend fast. Used to be there was nothing you could do about an EMP, electromagnetic pulse, or CME, coronal mass ejection. Now you can protect your electronics, protect your family, thanks to EMP Shield. EMP Shield invented a simple to install device that prevents whatever's connected to it from frying in an EMP or CME, and it costs just a few hundred dollars. EMP Shield has been tested by independent laboratories and passed muster with the government, which has ordered lots of them. Google EMP Shield and see for yourself and save some money. Get a $50 discount per device. Go to prepping2-o.com. Click on the Friends and Affiliates page, then click on the EMP Shield logo. At checkout, use coupon code PREPPING2.0. It's all one word. Shelby Gallagher here. We found that you need to layer your food preps. Yeah, this is Glenn Tate here. A lot of times, the hardest part of layering is the long-term foods. We love Numana foods, which have a 25-year shelf life and are non-GMO. Also, organic meals are available. Numana comes in family-style portions and in bulk. This is not backpacking food. It's family meals that last for at least 25 years. The perfect freeze-dried part of your food layering. You can get a sample of Numana meals for $19.95 and see for yourself. You will be amazed. Prepping 2.0 listeners get a 10% discount by entering the code PREP. Go to Numana.com or click the link on the Prepping 2.0 website. Give it a try. Numana.com. That is N-U-M-A-N-N-A.com. Are you a prepper or homesteader looking to connect with like-minded people in your area? Looking to start your own preparedness group? Already have a group? Well, look no further than PrepperNet. PrepperNet is dedicated to personal responsibility, individual freedoms, and being self-reliant. PrepperNet has monthly meetings in over 100 cities where you can meet and learn with like-minded people in your area. PrepperNet, where preppers unite. Find us online at PrepperNet.com. Now, more of Prepping 2.0 with authors Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher. Welcome back, everyone. This is Shelby Gallagher over here at Prepping 2.0. Just to finish that thought as we left the break, if somebody comes up to you and says, I'm going to come to your place when stuff gets sideways, think about what kind of guts that takes to say to somebody. It's a big ask. It's a big ask, Mm -hmm. and they're kind of putting a toe in the water, giving you a warning. So anyway, I just wanted to kind of finish that thought before the timer went up. I wanted to let folks know about Grid Down Redoubt. This is a fantastic invention. I can't believe it took American industry as long as it did to come up with this. And what Grid Down Redoubt is, it's the battery system for your alternative energy system. And here's how this works most of the time. I'll watch YouTube videos on alternative energy and let's say it's 30 minutes long. 28 minutes of it is about solar panels and how cool it is. And then the last you know, two minutes or so is something like, oh yeah, and get 32 car batteries and wire them in series. Okay, bye. And the batteries are always the afterthought because they're not nearly as cool and interesting as the idea of getting electricity from the sun. So batteries and storing all this alternative energy was always the afterthought. Now there's a simple solution, grid down, read out. You can learn more about it at prepping2-0.com, friends and affiliates page. Click on grid down, read out. There's a 
big coupon code. They figured this out and you don't have to go and buy 137 car batteries. And it's put out by the EMP shield folks. So these batteries come with EMP shield. So you're not gonna get your batteries fried. So consider that archive dive episode 82 what a fantastic oh my episode gosh, what a great episode may 2020 it was on strategic relocation with joel skousen and you're going to want to google this because the books he wrote are amazing s-k-o-w-s-e-n he wrote the primary piece on how to pick a place to strategically relocate to and boy is that something that a lot of people have come back to so I wanted to mention the second option and give a little bit of detail to that. And that second option that Chris mentioned was invite them into your community. But first, Shelby has something. I do. Before we go there, I think there's value when you have the person come to your door. You know, your default position being to tell people to pound sand. I think there's value after that conversation at the door saying, you know, I need you to leave. I'm sorry. We can't be of help here. You need to keep moving on. Have a discussion between the two of you about that conversation. And the reason- By the two of you, who do you mean? Me and you. Yes. The two the, of you, the, you the people, preppers. the preppers at the door that said no. Because I'm a good judge of character. Glenn is a good judge of character. But we see different things in people. There are times when I'm like, that person is nope, 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 nope. And then there's other times he's like, nope, nope, nope. And we are each other's strength where the other one is weak. Have a discussion so that you can keep in your mind. So if that person comes back around, you see them again, you can have a pretty good, almost like an after report of how that scenario went. And you said after report, which is a perfect segue into the point I would like to make, which is this is an intelligence gathering opportunity. Have some notes, maybe even have a people coming to our door journal. I think you should probably devote a separate notebook to it. The date, the time, who they were, how they were dressed, Description, descriptions, yeah. because for all you know, a couple days later, the same people come and try to pass themselves off as first time visitors. You know, they're not. So you know that they have nefarious. They're probably a gang recon unit. What you do with that information is up to you. And that's subject to your own morality. But at least you'll know if you've got people probing you and that is going to be a thing shoot that happens now think about the recent interview we had oh, yeah. with a new york detective like the criminal mind yeah when they have an exchange with you they are doing exactly what we're talking about they are taking in data how can i victimize this person how can i steal from them how can i i just watched a crime show last night where somebody is doing recon on this person they're probing can i break into the door can i break into the basement can i that's what they do to us. We need to kind of have the same mindset. Probably harmless, who knows, but in grid down in semi-collapse situations, this is, you need to think like they do, I guess is my thing. And I know Chris has some thoughts here. Yeah, Chris, give us some of your additional thoughts on option one, tell them to pound sand. Yeah, no, I really love your idea about keeping a journal. That is actually something I hadn't considered. So, hey, I learned something new today. So. <laughs> That's great. I mean, that's a great idea. And definitely, you see this in military, you see it with gang activity, criminals, probing attacks, basically just trying going in for intel. So that could be something that's going on. So you need to be aware of that. And I, I love the idea, like I said, of journaling it. So you have an idea of who's been to your door before and who hasn't. Because you know, you, you never know. They may come back, change their clothes up, but you can recognize who they are because of what you wrote down. So really great idea there. And just be aware. I think situational awareness in a grid down or collapse scenario is going to be so critically important. And it's something we don't necessarily do all the time during the calm times that we have right now. Yeah. And I should add something that may be understood, but if not, I want to say it out loud. And that is we keep saying, tell them to pound sand. I don't think anyone means that you really want them to pound sand. You got to soften the message and you need to soften the message sure. in a way that benefits you. And it would be something like this. Move along. We don't have anything. Yep. Move along. Let Sorry. them know you don't have anything. And part of the message of we don't have anything means hiding your stuff. If you say we don't have anything and you've got seven pallets of MREs sitting on your porch that are marked mm -hmm. MREs, you're not going to be very convincing. So. You have to do a little bit of physical work to make sure that your place looks as barren as possible and say, geez, we'd love to help you. We just don't have anything. Number one, that's 
disinformation, which is always good in a conflict situation. And number two, you're letting them down gently. You may be dealing with people, a couple things. There's a huge portion of this population that is on mental health medicines of various kinds that will be cut off. And you're going to be dealing with people who can function very well when the pharmacies are open and cannot function at all when the pharmacies are closed. The other thing is, even if you're not dealing with that situation, people are going to probably be very hungry. That's why they're knocking at your door. And I don't know about you, but when I get hungry, it's kind of ugly. It's not pretty. I tend to snap at people and think the worst of them. And so let's say you're dealing with a sane person who's really hungry, whose kids are really hungry. And you say to be a tough guy, you know, get off my blanket property, blah, blah, blah. And you may have just made a lifelong fight to the death enemy out of somebody that you could have just faked out by saying, golly, do you have anything? Actually, that's a great idea. Ask the person knocking at your door. Geez, do you have anything? We could really use a can of soup. And this is another example of suspending your peacetime social approach to people where it's being decent and nice and never, ever fibbing. Uh, You're going to need to fib quite a bit in a collapse situation and make people think that you need stuff and just think differently. And this is why I can't emphasize this enough. Think these things through now in peacetime. Mm -hmm. Say to yourself, I give myself, I know this sounds like Dr. Phil psychobabble, but it actually is accurate. I think give yourself permission to lie to people. I know that's a crazy thing to say. Give yourself permission to lie to people. Give yourself permission to deceive and yes, manipulate people. You need to manipulate the person coming to your door to not try to kill you. That's a very valid manipulation. God will not be mad at you. So don't worry about that. So anything else on item number one before we go to item number two? No, the only thing that came to my mind is when you were talking about the, uh, you know, get off my lawn thing was the scene from El Camino with uh, Clint Eastwood. I, that, iconic piece of film but no let's move on to number two which is invite them into your community i'd love to hear your thoughts on this one well and we've done part of this in episode 91 which was how do you deal with family that are coming to your place when shtf and my notes have the word personalities and you're going to be dealing with very different personalities one of the most likely scenarios is you've got family members that are either distant relatives or relatives you haven't seen in a while. Obviously, if you you have a really close relationship with your parents, you talk to them all the time and they want to come over, this isn't an issue because they're already part of your family, right? I mean, in a very real sense, they're part of your family. The problem is cousins, and I'll tell you something else, kids that you haven't seen for a million years, maybe they're lefties and live in Portland, for example. <laughs> and that's Just for the record, my kids no longer live in Portland. There that's right. So the different personalities, my point is, is that you may not know, it sounds crazy, you may not know the personalities of your so-called family who's coming to visit with you. And you need to understand that personality conflict is pretty much the quickest way to mess things up. And by personalities, you may have very entitled people, very Mm -hmm. needy people. You might have people that think they know more than you do, even though you know more than they do. You're going to have power plays. You're going to have people just think of the people and everyone's had one come to their house, a guest who does not act like a guest should act. You know, just leaves a mess. Rubs you the wrong way. Yeah, and just takes advantage of your generosity. Well, that's one thing when it's a summer barbecue. And it's an entirely different thing when it's an SHTF situation. So another sort of peacetime bias nicety that we have is that we don't really think about personality conflicts because we go out of our way to construct our lives in a way that we don't have to interact with people that have personalities that don't match with ours. By definition, in this scenario of people coming to your house, you're going to be introducing people who have potentially very different personalities than you do. And trust me, personalities can kill you as as quickly as some sort of external threat. So what do you think about different personalities, Chris? No, I think that's a really important thing to consider now because 
everybody thinks that they know better than you. Like you were talking about, Glenn, it's a very important thing to understand. And, you know, in this situation, you're going to be under incredible amounts of mental, physical, and emotional stress. And the last thing you need is for somebody in your group causing problems. And so if you have that cousin who's, you know, hitting the beer bongs on the weekend or something like that, and it's just thinks that he owns the world and he's just going to be able to sit on his rear end the whole time and not work during a situation like this, that's going to be a big problem. It's going to be a huge drag, not only on the community, but on your supplies on, you know, things getting done in the community could be a big problem. So it's something you need to consider beforehand, like we're talking about do it during peacetime. But yeah, if your cousin, the frat boy decides that he's just going to come and camp out at your place and have barbecues all the time, that, may not jive so well. So come up with your response when he brings his frat brothers along with him beforehand. You've set the stage perfectly for the following point. Here's something that people very rarely consider, except if they listen to this show and they have a lot of time to think about this. So you're doing well, listener, you're way ahead of the pack. And that is after you've invited someone into your community And let's say you realize you need to kick them out for a variety of reasons, and the frat boy scenario is entirely possible. How are you going to kick them out? You've let them in. So number one, they know you've got stuff. Number two, you have some sort of relationship with them because that's why you let them in in the first place. Are you really going to say, get out of here and leave? What happens if the frat boy says no? And the frat boy says, I got three of my friends and we're all staying here. What happens? How do you kick somebody out of your community after you've left them in? The answer should not be you shoot them because you should try to avoid that in all situations. Mm -hmm. So you got to think long and hard about your kickout scenario, I'll call it, for when you've let somebody in. What do you think about that? Yeah, I was just going to say I'd love to know. Yeah. This is a tough one. Uh, I mean, this is a real tough one. We can go down a lot of rabbit holes on this situation. That's all I'm going to say as far as that. I mean, there are ways to get people to leave, but I mean, I guess it's one of those things where it's like if you have somebody who's, you know, not pulling their weight, maybe they need to go on some sort of special recon mission. I'm not saying where, I'm not not saying that maybe they might not come back, but hey, hey, anything could happen out there. But yeah, how you handle that, like you said, the last thing you want to do is to be pulling out the stuff that I sell. Uh, And so, uh, yeah, that's a tough question. Yeah, Yeah. no, because seriously, and this needs to be emphasized for a variety of reasons, one of which is the listener's possible survival. You need to realize that shooting people comes with enormous consequences, even if they don't bring there's not a gang that comes back out of revenge and there's moral questions. There are potential. Yes. Legal. Oh, my goodness. You're kidding me. Legal. Yes, there are. There will be order reestablished. This happened in Bosnia. There were people mm-hmm. that just just say got a little bit too trigger happy with people. And a couple years later, order was restored. Guess who started getting rounded up and getting punished for those crimes? That doesn't mean you don't defend yourself. It just means you need to really think because you're making sort of the ultimate decision in those situations. I'm going to jump in here. I like watching people play tennis here. I love the conversation. Uh-huh. I think what you two have just discussed, one of the biggest problems to this option of bringing them into your community is not the initial, but what if. Once they come in, it's kind of they're in, Mm -hmm. right? This is the big angst. This is the big moral question. This is the big question that comes with them. If you invite them in, it has to go perfectly or else suddenly we're having to make really difficult decisions. And the other thing, and we kind of talked about it a little bit, but by sending them out and sending them away with a potential, let's just say, um, you know, you've had an argument. You've had a come to Jesus moment. We They're need mad to, at you. They we're want all, revenge. We're mad at each other. There's angst uh-huh. here. We're going to send you away because this isn't working out. They now have all of your intel and they can go to somebody else and give you up. That's the hard, hard, hard. I mean, number two is such a difficult one for everybody. I think this is one of the number one questions we get from preppers. And this is another great example of you needing to not have peacetime thinking, because let's be honest, in peacetime, yep. We don't have to think about, well, a friend of mine wanted to borrow money or wanted me to invest in his company, and I said no, so I've made them mad. 
they're not going to come back and kill you, right? That's just not going to happen no. in peacetime. And so we've learned to be incredibly accommodating and not ever think about how to end a relationship because we don't have to, because that's not at stake. And so you're going to have to, you know, suspend peacetime thinking. Another aspect to keep contradicting myself, but this is a topic that is full of contradictions, and at least we air out the contradictions. Well, it flushes out the whole discussion. This is what we all need to be talking about, right? Right. It's like yeah. we can appear to be completely principled and have one set of guiding principles and look really cool to the listeners, or we can give them a full airing out of all the crazy and contradictory issues and actually help them make these decisions. So we're going to go with the helping people approach and be contradictory. One of the things that is an advantage of inviting them into your community is you've got more hands. You mentioned that, uh, mm -hmm. Chris. And I want to commend to people's listening episode 105 of this show where we talked about the 15, that was our number, 15 jobs that need to be done at a prepping bug out location. Things that a lot of people never thought of, for example, and this got a lot of reaction from listeners. They said, aha, I never thought of that. You need somebody in charge of keys and combinations because if you're having to retreat because there's a motorcycle gang with 100 dudes and you have to get through a gate to go and retreat. Who's got the key? Uh, I don't know. It's, uh, you know what I mean? So, and when I say 15 jobs, that doesn't mean there need to be 15 people. There need to be 15 jobs that are handled by whatever number of people yes. you have. And the greater the number of people you have, the easier it is. And you mentioned a, a point, Chris, that never gets acknowledged, I think, in the prepping community. And that is you have to sleep. You can only have you know, 12 hour shifts at the most, because not only are you going to be sleeping, you're going to be cutting firewood and doing a variety of other things. So again, to contradict ourselves, one of the reasons to maybe invite people into your community is the point you made. What do you think about all that, Chris? Yeah. I mean, this whole sleep aspect, you know, people do like to kind of forget, especially when we lay our heads down in our peacetime pillows and don't have to think about it. But when you someone comes to your door, if they have some skills that you can use, maybe they were a carpenter, maybe they were in law enforcement before, maybe they, you know, are ex-military or maybe they're good at gardening, whatever it is. If there's a deficiency in your community and you can bring somebody in that can fill that gap, uh, and really just kind of make everyone's life easier, then it could be worth it to invite them in. How you determine that, we'll talk about that here in a couple minutes, but uh, it's an aspect that people don't like to talk about too much uh, because, again, they're concerned about worst-case scenario, which we're airing out here, you know, the food gangs, people who maybe will come back later pissed off and want to take your stuff. But bringing somebody in, if they jive with your community and they have a good personality that fits, can be a huge asset in the long run. Excellent. And point number or option number three, I should say, which was charity. I think we've covered that pretty well. I would love to get well, regular show listeners involved in Chris's suggestions for vetting. But first, Shelby I has would something. like to talk a little bit about that. So I'm going to disagree with you. We have a few minutes. We'll split the time okay. up a little bit. So on option number three, give them some charity and never tell them to come back. One of the things I was thinking about earlier when Chris was saying just a little almost like a goodie bag, like a little grocery store bag of just your junk. I hate to say it, but I think about like and <laughs> Halloween's coming up. Kids are going to get these little fake flashlights. Kid toys. Yep. I mean, you know, these dollar store flashlights. Um, I think about, um, you know, when you go, you just went to the dentist. Glenn, I was just thinking that. Uh, yeah, the dentist where they with hand the you the bag. that I'll never with the use. Floss. The swag bag. Yeah. Little, yeah. Any, exactly. Give them some crap. I mean, I hate to say that, but I just, I don't know about you, but if you've ever been out in the middle of the night, in the middle of the dark, I'll take a dollar store flashlight instead of nothing any darn day. So if you have just kind of this stuff that you've collected along the way as a prepper that you're like, I'm never going to use this, put those in the dentist goodie bags. Yes. And somebody comes to your door. I don't, this is some of our leftovers. Take this and you're never you are not giving away the goods by doing that you but you are being chair you are giving somebody that hand up that they need to move on and find you know greener pastures and maybe they can use it for barter and get a can of soup Absolutely. that they need and i don't mind handing somebody you know a dented can of soup either it's like you know what we're not going to use this here's a spoon 
and a plastic spoon, you need to move on. Okay, don't, I don't want to, you know, it's up to you what you want to give away, certainly. But I think I just was thinking about just all this kind of, you know, garbage crud stuff that we collect along the way. And so, Chris, we want to give the regular show listeners at least a preview, a, a taste, if you will, of the big topic of how do you vet people? And we will continue this topic, presumably, in the after show where, speaking of the after show, Chris will be answering questions from Patreons. And there are some outstanding questions from Patreons. So get, kick it off. Tell us about how you uh, vet people. What are some tips that people can use? Yeah, I think the the biggest thing, a couple of things you can look at, uh, you know, you talked earlier about whether you're a good judge of character. Obviously, you need to be honest with yourself about that and who really is a good judge of character and who isn't. And I would just say really kind of look somebody over, look and see if their story matches what they look like. That's really the best thing I can give you here in just, uh, you know, a couple minutes. Do they look, you know, sick? Do they look emaciated? Do they look like they've actually walked out of the city or do they have fresh shoes on that maybe they just mm -hmm. pilfered from, you know, the neighborhood next door. So really keep an eye on people's appearance, whether they're keeping eye contact with, or, with you or not, or maybe whether they look like they are scouting you out. Uh, really some quick tips to help you kind of ascertain the situation. And once again, everybody, please suspend your peacetime thinking. We are taught, yep. and I think it makes sense in a peacetime society, not to quote judge people. I'm all for not judging people because you can be wrong and it's a bad thing to do. However, when your life is at stake, uh, get a little judgy and maybe say this person looks like they are really poor and they're maybe they need more stuff and maybe they're willing to do bad things to get stuff. Conversely, if somebody looks really rich, they probably have no skills and they're detached from reality and they're maybe great stockbrokers, but they're pretty terrible at chopping wood. So I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that judgment needs to be all on one side, you know, but I mean, you need to be judgy because that's called discernment. And that's how people used to be when the stakes were high and misjudging somebody, intentional use of that word, misjudging somebody could get you killed. So suspend peacetime thinking. Yeah. What are some other tips for uh, vetting people? You know, I think uh, one thing that is really tough uh, is to really see whether they have kids with them or not. And this yeah. is a difficult one for me. Uh, being a father of two, this is going to be hard, but my feelings are if, if somebody has been recruited by a gang, right. To go get Intel on somebody else. If I were in this situation, I'm not taking my kids with me. Uh, if I'm basically become a refugee and I have to bug out and I need help from someone else, obviously I'm taking my kids with me. So that's one thing I know not everybody has the same morality level or concern for their children that I do, but, uh, you know, most of the time kids are often going to be able to tell the truth. Uh, they kind of suck at telling lies for the most part. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, so if you can possibly get the kids away from the parents for a second and be like, Hey, I'll bring them. Listen, I, I don't have enough to you know help all of you, but I can give your kids a little bite to eat, uh, you know, just so they're, you know, in better spirits and kind of talk to the kids a little bit, nice. see if the story's lined That's up. That idea. would be a great way uh, to kind of determine whether they're really there for the right reason or not. Oh my gosh, what a great note to end on and a great little kind of prepper hack tip there. Folks, we're going to go into the after show, but as we all know, failing to prepare is preparing to fail. From Benjamin Franklin, folks, have a great week. Adios. You've been listening to Prepping 2.0 with authors Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher. All the information you've heard today, including all our previous shows, is online at prepping2-0.com. Find out more about Glenn's books at 299days.com and Shelby's books at agreatstate.com. Until next time, be smart, be safe, and be prepared.